welcome to For What It's Worth. There's your cookie. Have fun. <laughs> An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wisconsin, Texas. Ready to fur what it's worth and chill? One thing about coming out to a convention on the East Coast. That's not the East Coast, Minnesota. It's not the East Coast. Oh. Grab your closest box and get ready to go to town. Mm-hmm. Pull that record. <laughs> We're done. Aboard. And now, those two fools who grab each other by the fox parts, here are Root and Tugs. I didn't even put it on here, but I know what's coming next. Or do you? Oh, yeah, I do. Start the show. And I'm just Ruchi on a podcast. What the Ruchi hell are you doing? on a podcast without Tugsy. Hi, I'm Rue, and I'm here to have this show get started um, without Tugs. Oh, wait, what is that? There's a knock on the door. <laughs> this knock. is not working. I don't know what the hell it is you're doing. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, everybody. I am Rue, and this is Tugs. Hello. He's in Seattle. And this is the internet. And this is the internet. So thank you so much for joining us for this another lovely, lovely episode. So, Tugs, let's jump right into it. What have you been up to? I've been making Mario's. You've been making Mario's? You've been making... (laughs) I hate how he says that in the movie. First of all, I like that movie. I don't care what anyone says. It's so bad, it's good. But the way... I don't know what movie you're you're talking about. The Mario Brothers movie, the way way that... What's his face? uh, Whose name escapes me suddenly, even though I know he's super famous. He always said it, Mario's. And I was like, oh man, you're killing me. Uh, My favorite is the Goombas. And (laughs) the not the not Goombas, the weird looking Yoshi. Oh my god! Right? (laughs) Hey, I thought that was so cool when I was a kid. Though I was like, oh my gosh, it's Yoshi. He looks hideous. No, I loved I loved Bob Hoskins how he said that. It's annoying. No, I'm making met levels in Mario. Um, I know it's game talk, but uh, no, I I I don't fully love Mario Maker Two. I feel like there are some pieces still missing and they took some changes into it and they take away some of that zany humor but most of all i think the most important thing was removed which is nat attack aka the fly swatter game that it was removed and i was really sad about that they need to put it back fuckers (laughs) that was my favorite i've been um making levels i haven't posted any yet because i'm wanting to make sure that they're more complete but um I have been playing a lot of people's levels. I have been playing some super expert too. And oh wow. I suck at it. But, you know, it makes me rage and and then some sort of little voice inside my head tells me it's going to be okay. I don't know. That's that's actually your boyfriend inside of you. Oh, oh, is that what it is? Yeah, no. um, <laughs> what else have I'm you been also, up to? I'm also sad that uh, Splatocalypse is next week, which I think this will be out after that. So, But at this point, Splatocalypse hasn't happened. But Nintendo did get me my Splatocalypse shirt well in advance of it, so I'm excited for that. Um, so, ne- so I can wear what my squid's wearing in the game. So what did they? What what's going to happen to that after? Well, nothing. There's just there's no more Splatfest in Splatoon. 
Why? Spot fests are amazing. I know, what's, but they've always really said two the years. They've always promised they're going to do two years of Splat Fest, and that was it. So this is the send-off. So like right now, as time of recording, if you play Tetris 99, you'll unlock the Splatoon skin. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, cool. And everyone who's hearing this post-release is like, fuck! Who wanted <laughs> that? Uh, what else have I been up to? I'm, go- I'm going on a boat! tonight um the furries up here we we, they rent a giant boat a party boat and there's like bars and djs and everything and we're just gonna go out on a lake and drink and dance and have fun cool that's awesome and there's no lady juice hot tubs but you know hey you know what i'm not offensive offend ah i do not want to offend the opposite gender that's really rude did someone tell you that they found it offensive? Yes. Who? That other voice that was inside my head. <laughs> <laughs> All the ladies I've talked to think it's a hilarious term. So, I have been playing lots of Dr. Mario. Yay! Oh, the phone game? I know, it's a cell phone game. I heard it was a shit show. I, I like it. It's actually pretty good. All right. I think it's fun. Once you get to the verses, that's that's more fun than the other stuff. But yeah, I like it. I feel it like has- that, that game came out of nowhere. Like, no, Nintendo hadn't, I guess they had announced it, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we all knew Mario Run was coming and then all this, and then nothing about Dr. Mario World from announcement to release. Or am I nuts? And the other thing that I've been up to is Never Ending Story. Uh, uh, You've been watching the movie? Uh, no, everybody else that that um, just heard me say that knows exactly what I'm talking about. So if you do, you get cool bonus points. If you don't, then you should um, watch Stranger Things. Okay. Oh, I see, I, I can't do the Stranger Things thing. I want to. I, I appreciate the aesthetic and the quality. It's just, I don't, I don't need to go back to the 80s. I lived in the 80s and things were awful. Except for the, I mean, like, we didn't know it was awful yet, right? Well, I think it was very, it's very nostalgic. So, I mean, for people that love the 80s or likes to, likes to visit, it's kind of like it's a nice place to visit. You, you go and visit there. I just, you don't, I feel like you if I watch that show, there. I'm going to smell old plastic. You're going to smell old plastic? I don't the 80s had a lot saying. of, like, really crap plastic covered electronics. And so I feel like that's all I smell with, in the 80s. Is plastic. Yes. I think of I think of floppy disks. Which are made of plastic. <laughs> Alright, should we get the show going? Yeah, I suppose I'll push the button. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. All right, here we go. Here's today's fortune. Best fortune I've ever gotten in a fortune cookie. In bed with a cookie. That's like recursive fortunes. I don't know. There's lots of fortune in there. Best fortune I've ever got in a fortune cookie. In bed with a cookie. That's a lot of cookies and fortunes. 
Alright, before I push the button to send us to potty break, I just wanted to thank everyone who came to our YouTube show. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad people made it. I hope everyone enjoyed it who was there. And if you listen to it afterward, maybe you'll make it next time. Hopefully it sounded fun to you too. It was definitely great to touch our audience live. Yep. Alright, potty break time. No, you know what's funny is people ask me to do that occasionally. Really? Yeah, why? I don't know why. Uh, because they, they think it's funny when we rag on each other. When you're all like, "Oh, I have a deep voice," and I'm like, "And I'm real." Anyway, that's not when, important when right now. I what's ever, some... When do I ever rag on you? No, no, when, you do all the time. <laughs> Whatever. I'll, yeah, you're you're on a rag maybe, but anyways, no. Oh, that's not ouch. A, that's not important right now. You know what's important right now? Introducing guest. the guest. So our guest is someone you guys, if you've been a long-time listener, know and love. It's been a little while, but we decided, hey, we could have him come back and tell the world what he's been up to with roommates. So I am pleased to tell everyone that in studio we have today the tiniest of horses. We have Koru. Hello. <laughs> Do you accept this title, Tiniest of Horses? Yeah, I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't. There's nothing small about a horse. He's actually a pony. So, Koru, you are here. How how many times have you wanted to pick up like some of the audio equipment and adjust it, or change something that we're doing, or or, or something? Like today? Yeah, today. Oh, not at all, actually. Oh wow, we're doing great. <laughs> I think he just doesn't care. <laughs> Oh. Well, I don't have to worry about that aspect anymore, but it's okay. So, tell us, what have you been up to? Let's see, how long has it been? It's been like a year, year and a half? Almost yeah. two seasons. Two seasons? Almost, yeah. So, what have you been up to? Uh, Not a whole lot. Working, and I think this is the first time I've gotten out of the house in a long time, so um, sunshine hurts, and snow. Sunshine no. hurts. No, it's good uh, to be back, and it's definitely a different feeling being on this side of the table. Do you like it? Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I'm operating on like two hours of sleep, so I don't know what's real right now. <laughs> <laughs> what is real? I feel like that's a Keanu Reeves thing. What is real? <sighs> oh my God, John Wick 3 was so good, but that's not important right now. That was a fantastic movie. Oh my god, right. So I heard I heard you went to Mystery Skulls recently. I did. I went to Mystery Skulls with that was that uh last weekend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's only been a week, but no, it was a good time. I had a lot of fun. Um <laughs> I have more critique about their audio and the way they should have balanced things because I could barely hear the vocals and there is like way too much bass, but that's not my job. <laughs> oh my god. I gotta say, he. I, I believe that you discovered concert earplugs, like real good concert earplugs. 
Yes. Yeah, the the high fidelity earplugs. Aren't they um, amazing? They are. I really like them. It's uh you can still hear the frequencies, but it attenuates. Um I think this one was like twelve to twenty decibels, something like that. So it was nice, you know, even though it was loud it didn't like blow out my eardrums. So that was good. Thank you for uh introducing me to those. I didn't even know they existed until right. you were like Yeah, Get I got these. a pair of that like a couple days before you did for Mystery Skulls when they were here, so yeah. 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 So yeah, they were really good. Um, the West Tone ones that I got from a local audio shop—they were like twenty bucks, but totally reusable. Would definitely recommend them. Save your ears. <laughs> yes. Actually, it's true. Save your ears. Like I know we got a lot of young listeners. Just go buy the damn concert earplugs. Spend the thirty bucks. You can keep them, reuse them. They're worth it. Your hearing is worth more than thirty bucks. All right. Here's the old Rue coming out. Why does it have to be so damn loud? Because otherwise, the din of the crowd would drown out the audience, or the audience that they would, but they would also drown out the music. Yeah, but they turn the bass up so freaking high it, that you can't hear the vocals. It's not necessarily that. I would say this: I haven't gone to the depot or anything in Salt Lake, but I'm going to make some general assumptions based on my concert experiences. Which is, unless you go to a venue specifically designed with acoustics in mind, if you're going to a bar where it's just square rooms, the it doesn't matter what they do with the bass as much, the audio is going to be loud and bounce around and you're going to get like just crap acoustics. So it's going to be loud just by echo. So it's worth wearing the earplugs. Yeah, the the complex is like that. It's a giant shoebox. It is just a giant rectangle. And I'm sure it would sound good in like an open air venue because in the bass, you know, and the sound waves kind of dissipate and even out. But yeah, the complex is just is too stuffy, too too acoustically uh, imbalanced, in my opinion. Well, I also heard the Mystery Skulls. Since we're talking about Mystery Skulls, I heard Mystery Skulls was at FWA, and they did a really good job there. Keith, oh, wow. um, one of our close friends, Keith Locke, he ended up um, uh, going to go see them there at, at a furry convention, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, he's super nice. Um, however, that has nothing to do with the topic, so let's no. introduce the topic then. So we're here to talk about furry roommates and whether or not you should have them, not have them, experiences and so forth. We've got plenty of emails from everybody. Thank you in advance to everyone who sent those in. Like seriously, you guys did, you guys rose to the occasion. I knew you would, but we appreciate it. We have voice clips and everything. But let's let's ask you the obvious question, Koru. Tell us your roommate history. Like what, tell us, you know, have you lived with mostly furry roommates, mix, mostly non-furry? Um, I would say at this point in my life, mostly non-furry. Um, uh, I would say, of course, my first roommates were my mom and my dad, and I wouldn't discount them as roommates because, you know, they can teach you a lot, but, um... But that's like, that's like the, the ghost space in Monopoly. No one well, does sure. anything with it. Right, right. <laughs> um, no, my first actual, um, after I moved out, um, I had my own apartment for a while, for a couple years, and that was nice. Um, the only people that would visit were, you know, my boyfriends at the time and have a few friends over, but that, you know, that, that was, uh, that was actually nice to not have roommates for a little while. Um, then my roommates after that, it was a, uh, it was a three-way BDSM, um, relationship. And you were in one? No, 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 no. My roommates were. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. So there was one guy and then he had two submissive women and that was just drama. Oh my god. 
because it was like power exchange and all this stuff and I was new to having roommates but at the same time they were completely fine with me you know being a furry and being who I am and so I was still able to express myself um, even though they weren't furries so that was nice did they have like a swing in the living room or something just wondering you said BDSM so I was like if there was enough room they probably would have what do you mean in the living room? Like, we're just going to sit around visiting and, like, someone's getting casually butt-fucked? Basically, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's how we're doing tea. That's more, that's not, that's low tea, though, <laughs> not high tea. Tea and crumpets. Would and you I... like a tea? Oh, this is excellent. Hold on, my dick slipped out. Oh. <laughs> I... <laughs> you should do that voice all the time. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because it's awesome. <laughs> Oh my, I seem to no longer be in coitus. Like, <laughs> Stop <laughs> it! Get some help. <laughs> no, you can't summon that. <laughs> anyway, so so then what happened after that? How long were you with the, with the, with the sexy couples? Um, I'd say about a year. And it, it was... It was interesting, for sure. Um, definitely a new experience. I mean, they they dragged me along a couple times to like different dungeons, and I got to experience a whole lot of pretty much everything that you know we've talked about on the show before. Just all sorts of different interests and kinks, and it was definitely an experience, for sure. Now I'm imagining like <laughs> the the sex dungeon for them was like a doily room having high tea, but everyone's casually having sex with people in sex swings. Oh, this tea's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> well, one I went to is actually in Eugene, Oregon, and it was really cool. It was a converted firehouse. What? And that, that was the name of it. And so, of course, in the main garage area, that's where they had the suspension. And they had, like, a St. Andrew's cross and a rack and, like, all sorts of things. But then they also had, like, a Japanese bamboo room. They had a classroom. They had a room where you could do, like, medical play and also, like, it was pretty, uh, pretty expensive. Damn. Yeah. You know, there's probably some people. Sorry about that. There's probably some people there, like checking the episode, and they're like, "Wait a minute, I didn't. I didn't click on the BDSM one. I I, I clicked on uh, for roommates. I want to learn got, about roommates. You knew what you signed up for, but this is relevant. <laughs> it's totally relevant. It is. It is. It totally is. Well, what other places did you people that you roomed with? Um, well, of course, the obvious is Tugs, and there is Tugs and uh, his husband, and let's see, and Rusty, and so that was all furries, and that was just furries all the time, so that was nice. Didn't really have to hide anything about me or who I am, you know, I didn't have to have awkward conversations, like with my current roommates, about cats, and he has a cat that likes to eat diapers, so I have to keep him out of my room. I don't know what's up with that. But having that awkward conversation <laughs> with my current roommates, that was uh, that was fun. And that's, and that's where you are now. How long that's have you been there? That's where I am there? now. Um, about, what, a year and a half, two years, uh, somewhere around there. I think you're coming um, up on, th- yeah, almost two and a half, maybe. You're, you're almost to three. Yeah, no, it was March of 2017, so. Yeah. Just over two years. So, Tugs, what's your um, roommate travel log? Real quick. Um, I've, I mean, when I moved out, I've always lived with my boyfriend who became my husband. Um, and then uh, I picked up Rusty a few years into it. Eventually picked up Koru. Um, and now it's just me and, and my husband. But, I mean, I've visited friends that have all been in various situations and stuff. So, um, I feel so like I've got a pretty good grasp. So, majority of your time's been, been furry. Majority of Sorry. your time. 
with your roommates? All I've, I've never not lived with furries. Oh, well, that that will be an interesting perspective as far as on your end. Right. Um, my travel log, just real, real quick. Um, I look. Everybody knows that I served an LDS mission, so I had roommates before I served my mission, and then after. And oh, there, we there should were... read this this scripture. Oh, I <laughs> slipped out. <laughs> well, you know, I, I for the longest time I was I was basically Peter Priesthood. I was you know <laughs> making sure to do everything by the book. Oh, I mean, Peter, put your priesthood in me. I was probably <laughs> the worst roommate because there was a, there, a roommate that was like he had his coffee machine. And I was oh. like, I did not want the coffee machine to be in the kitchen. And I made him put it in his room. You're a dick. What wow. a dick thing to get mad about, man. Wow. And then they also had a whole bunch of alcohol that was there. They were having binge parties. However, this was on college campus. So it was a zero. It wasn't BYU. It was um, College of, College of Eastern Utah. It was but, College University. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went over there, um, yeah, it was a no tolerance policy. So I was that type of person that I totally reported them. I reported them and um, got them into trouble. So I was probably the worst type of roommate the other direction. <laughs> and yes, then, you and were. Then eventually, I was roommates with people at BYU, which everybody went to church and everybody was proper and they teehed whenever they were with girls and <laughs> like like girls weren't supposed to be in your bedroom and different things like that. And uh, anyways, so. Let me let me tell you. Once I jumped into actually rooming with furries, it's like, oh my goodness, this is what real life is. <laughs> which is which is not, but still. Anyways, sorry. So you you really couldn't have like girls in your room? No. No, you weren't allowed wow. to have that. That's, that's still a, lot a policy. Of, that's a lot of awkward public sex. What do you mean awkward? That's hot. <laughs> All right, we got an email we're kicking off with, and I'm Sweet. gonna read it. What? Go ahead. Oh, I sweet. thought you were like, wait, I'm not done telling my, my no, weird no, stories. No, 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 I was saying sweet. Oh, okay. All right, here we go. So Shane's email says, Dear Rude Tugs, Voss, and Guests, apostrophe yes. I think having multiple bedrooms makes the situation more manageable. My first internship, the two of us were sharing a three-bedroom house. I was upstairs and he was downstairs. There hardly was ever any conflict. The biggest thing was that I had to reluctantly get used to them being the only one who could drive. I didn't have my own car at the time. Being on two different floors helped us get away from each other at work. My second internship, I was living in a house that was set up more like a college dorm. Everyone had their own room, but there was nowhere near enough room in the fridge for everyone's food. I'm pretty sure a lot of us moved in with mini fridges or bought one soon after moving in. Working 12 hour days meant we hardly ever got away from each other. The only time I, I had to share a room was during my third internship. We never met until I moved in. It wasn't always smooth sailing because even though we both started work before sunrise, I was the one who liked to be early to bed and early to rise. We both spent a good chunk of our days working together. Trial and error was the biggest way we learned how to make sharing the room work for us. Currently, I live with my mom because I'm hungry. I still didn't have my own car when I graduated from college, and we have started a side business. Although I don't pay rent, I run a lot of errands because I'm done with work before she is, and I have a car. I'm also the one who does most of the laundry. Okay, this turned out to be a lot longer than I thought it would be. 
any whore, woo, do you have anything to add? Um, no, other than at some point you should try to be living on your own. Do you guys, did you guys ever run into a situation where there was like 12, like jugs of milk? Not 12, that's over-exaggerating, but each roommate had their own jug of milk. That's, that's dumb. I know, it is dumb. Um, I have that situation right now between all of my roommates, but we also have two full refrigerators and a chest freezer, so we've got plenty of room. Everyone, like you guys, well, I guess you guys don't really have a good setup for sharing milk, huh? No, not really. I mean, everybody has, you know, works their own schedule at this point, because right now I've got uh, four other roommates, so it's the five of us. Um, but, uh, going back to that email, I think it definitely helps everybody having their own room and their own space to go to. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, everybody just kind of fends for themselves and everybody buys their own food and we just try and utilize the space as much as possible. You know, that brings up a really good point. One more thing I want to add. I think it's also important to have a neutral common area. Um, if that common area is also somebody's bedroom, that makes it extremely hard to be able to socialize or bring people into the home itself. So really there needs to be a neutral space that a common area that everybody can share. If there's a roommate, if you're in a roommate situation, and they're living in the living room. Maybe that's not the best living situation that you should, should be in. But yes, I, I agree. Everybody should have their own rooms. Even if people are sharing rooms, I think that that's, that's okay. That's fine. As long as like, five people aren't sharing one <laughs> one bedroom with one king size yeah uh, absolutely um for a time um after i moved in with my current roommates um there was another guy who crashed out and he was basically couch surfing and so the common room that we have is a living room upstairs where we've got a tv we've got computers hooked up to it and you know everybody can hook up their game consoles if they want to um but yeah with him couch surfing it kind of took away that common space and it was annoying sometimes yeah because you couldn't go and use the computer right exactly yeah, there there was no way for me to just sit down and, you know, like normally what I do now is I'll just sit in the living room and play games and people will sometimes join me. You know, they'll sit down, they'll start conversations and, you know, then gatherings happen. But yeah, with somebody like couch surfing like that, pretty much just stayed in my room the whole time. Yeah, because you feel like that you're invading their space. Exactly. Even though that it's not their space and they didn't pay for that space. Yep. Yeah. So... I know. Oh, we're we're not on that particular topic. But have you guys been to conventions with non furries? <laughs> They're so weird. Not a furry convention. Like not a furry convention, but just any sort of convention. What what experience do you have, Mister Tugs? Um. Well, here's the thing. I I've realized is conventions are conventions. Like. Yeah, you might be doing something different for the panel equivalent, but everyone's really there to party at the end. And so I went, I've gone to a business convention in Vegas and like the daytime stuff. Yeah, sure. I was doing work related things, but in the evening they were all walking around drinking, having fun. Maybe like there weren't fursuits and stuff, but it still had the same general, just kind of let your hair down vibe, which was really nice, but still different because I wanted to see fursuits and, you know, fun stuff and go to, go to my tribe's room and whatever. And it just didn't work out that way. Did they have business sex parties? 
Yeah, where they're like, yeah, baby, and they start undoing like their blazer buttons. Yeah, no, of course, I don't know. I'm sure, you know, I bet you there were sex parties. Like, of course there are, but I'm not in on those loops, and I wouldn't even know how to get into those loops. So, no, I didn't go to any. I don't, I don't know if you even would want to get in those loops. Yeah, like, I'm going to wind up in like some orgy with like one of my coworkers. I don't want that. <laughs> non furry sex parties are weird. Non furry sex parties are weird for us. So, so tell us your experience since we're on this topic. Um, I've pretty much only been to furry conventions or That's brony not true. conventions. Yeah, you have to say pony conventions you've gone to. Yeah, that's what I said. The state fair. The state. I see, and I don't consider like I know. I mean, obviously, I've been to like Comic Con, but I don't really consider that a convention. Just because, like, I wasn't in a hotel, you know? So, I mean, like, I've been to f- local conventions, but for me, There's it's... furry it, there, though. Well, sure. But it's it's not like... I don't know, it doesn't... You doesn't have, like, that classic convention feel, because you're not in a hotel room, and you're not having hotel room parties or things like that. That's just... Oh, my God, I thought you were going to say hotel room sex, and I was like, of course. <laughs> so, let's go to our next email. We have one from August Otter. He says, yeah. hi there, August Otter here. I've had a few roommates in the past, some furry and some not. And while anthropomorphism and the furry community are things you and your roommates can connect on, it really shouldn't be a deal breaker. For my experience, and the the best roommates, furry or not, is one that you both share responsibility and similar morals. Keep open communication and maintain patience and open-mindedness, especially when addressing a disagreement or complaint. Sure, furries may be generally more accepting of a six-foot mural in on your dining room wall of King K. Rule. <laughs> I want that. Um, whom appears to be smuggling three sandbags in his underwear. Ew. Maybe not. Keep going. <laughs> and getting your bedroom eyes that would put Jeff Goldblum to shame. Man, I love this email. <laughs> but <laughs> but who can can you really depend on when it comes to more important matters? I want my roommates to contribute similar similarly as I do, paying bills and rent on time, keeping helping keep the place clean keeping the fridge and the pantry um, sufficiently stocked without being overly possessive and asking permission before inviting new people over. I truly am grateful for people I currently live with. We don't all contribute in the same way, but we actually, we acknowledge each other's strengths and are generally forgiving of each other for our weaknesses. Sure, Three out of four of us are furry, and that keeps things fun. But if I had to decide between living with someone's grandma who thinks it's 1970 and has a family photo and a wine bottle for every 10 square um, feet and of floor space and didn't question you why you are having a dog cage and leashes but no dog, or live with Kyle, a.k.a. Yifboy69, um, who can't pay rent, but has a flight and tickets paid 
for the next big furry con and also doesn't know where your Xbox games keeps disappearing to. <clears throat> I take the clueless lush granny any day. <laughs> Note, the names in the previous paragraph are purely fictional and were created for parody purposes only. Thanks for reading my two cents on roommates. This was a joy to write. Yours truly, August. Oh my gosh, Kay, that was probably like the best email that we've received. Like it was, <laughs> it's really funny. So good job. That's, that had a lot of humor into it. So I, now I want to have Jeff Goldblum on the show. <laughs> Read him this email. <laughs> He'll be like, hey, baby. Um, you know what? He he brought up some really good points. It, that's one hundred percent correct. When you when you have roommates, you just want to make sure that whoever you're living with, that they are going to come in and that it's just going to be a a drama free place. If you can have a good environment where you can be yourself, that is what you want to go for. If every single day that you're coming home and you're like, oh my gosh, is so-and-so going to be paying rent? Or, oh my gosh, so-and-so is having uh, an orgy. I mean, maybe somebody wants to have an orgy and you want to, if that's the environment you want, then great, then go for that. But you just have to make sure that you're in an environment that you're comfortable in. It's your home. You want to make sure that you're living in a place that if you're not living in a correct living situation, then it's going to affect your job. It's going to affect your daily living. And really, it, it, it doesn't matter if they're furry or not. It just matters if whether or not that they are responsible and that they're going to respect you as a person. That's the, that's the number one thing that you need to look for in roommates. Here's a here's another spin on that. If you're looking to live with somebody, ask yourself this question. Is this person going to make you pay their rent? It's a business relationship, ultimately. A very personal one, but it is business. So you're going to enter into a, a, a relationship of a sort where, you know, you're saying, okay, I trust you not to fuck me in the ass financially. Well... Um. It's, I mean, I hate to bring up us, but it's kind of like me and you as far as this podcast. We have to yeah. have that particular trust. If all of a sudden, like, I wasn't showing up to, never mind, I, it kind of pertained, but now it's not. No, I, I see what you mean, like, because cause, cause running the show is a little bit like being in a weird marriage. Yeah. And like, like you have you and i have to trust each other with certain kinds of information and stuff in order to run this show correctly behind the scenes and make sure that it runs and just trust our creative process and it takes a lot of trust and you have to have that same sort of willingness to trust somebody with with living with you definitely definitely because you're opening your your life to that particular person um, they're going to see your dick yeah they probably will see your dick they probably will walk in on you on accident Things like yeah. that will happen while you're seeing someone else's dick. Um, <laughs> you know, Corey's <laughs> just over there dying laughing. Another piece of advice that I want to recommend is sometimes it's not good to room with friends. Sometimes it's not because friends are friends and roommates are roommates, but they're not necessarily the same. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of close friendships break up because they decided to move in together. 
And then they found out all these things that they couldn't tolerate, little ticks that that person had that they couldn't tolerate. Maybe somebody's like a super light sleeper and you like, you, you like have to, to masturbate in, in library mode. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not going to be a comfortable situation. So. So we're running out of time in this segment, so I wanted to get to the two big questions. The first one, Koru, is what are the advantages of muggle roommates? What are the good things about having regular roommates instead of furry roommates? Yeah, you know what? I don't think there's anything good or bad inherently about it. I mean, people, you know, like the, that last email, you know, uh, what Rue was saying, people do have their tics, and, um, you know, it definitely is nice to be able to have you know, furry roommates, especially if you are furry. Um, but at the same time, like the roommates that I have right now are very understanding. They know I'm a furry, you know, they know I have my own interests and my own hobbies and they're completely supportive of that, which is nice. Um, so, so, so let's it, turn it on its ear. What are the disadvantages of muggle roommates? Um, just having those awkward conversations, you know, they, they don't really understand the whole furry persona and the identity. And so while I do have a couple roommates that do call me Koru, um, my other roommates who I've said, you know, please call me, this is who I identify as, and they still use my human name. But, you know, that's, I think that's really the only disadvantage is because you, you can't really share that identity. Um, aspect, um, especially of being a furry. So I think that's the hardest part. That's the disadvantage. Does, does, it, does it detract from you being your authentic self? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I get really depressed and I feel like, you know, I, I can't share with these people, you know, they don't necessarily understand the furry aspect. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there, there are days, but I mean, ultimately I'm, I'm thankful for who I have because their understanding of who I am, at least for the most part. I'm going to ask the same exact question, just in a different way. Do you ever feel like that you have... <clears throat> wow, <clears throat> that came out wrong. Puberty. Um, yes, puberty. <clears throat> so um, do you ever feel like that you have like almost like a multiple personality disorder when you're living with non-furry roommates because you can't be your, your true self? No, I, I, I don't really feel that. Okay. Do you Do you feel like living with muggles has impacted your connection to furry you know what i i used to think so because you know living with them i pretty much you know just kept to myself and um you know i kind of did stop you know with a lot of aspects of furry and now i've kind of gotten over that and i find that if i get out and i am actually more social you know in furry groups then that helps out a whole lot how hard is it for you to cross that bridge? I think a lot of people who are listening are like, I want I want to tell my roommates I'm furry. I'm sure someone out there is in that scenario. But but like they don't know how to communicate that. So how do you approach that conversation with, with your roommates? Or how did you? Um, well, it just kind of came by. The thing about the roommates that I have now is, um, and one of my roommates is practically my best friend, and he has been for about five years. Um but I would always visit and I would constantly visit and, um, you know, hang out. And so, you know, little by little, I got to know them even before I moved in. And I think that was a big key. Like if I just tried to move in, you know, uh, just without knowing anybody there, then that's when it's really hard to come out and try and explain that aspect to them. But 
because I did hang out with him for a couple of years before I moved in, that made it a whole lot easier. Awesome. With that, we're going to take a short little break and we will be right back and to continue to discuss our topic of furry roommates. Hailing frequencies open. Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Tuesday, July 16th, here are your space headlines. There's been a pretty serious shakeup in the power structure at NASA. Recently, Administrator Jim Bridenstine reassigned Bill Gerstenmaier, who had been the head of the human spaceflight program for quite some time. He was moved to another position as an advisor to NASA Deputy Director Jim Moorhard. As of right now, shuttle flight veteran Ken Bowersox is taking over for Gerstenmaier. This was all part of an attempt to speed up development of the SLS and Orion hardware to try and meet the White House's demand to land humans back on the moon by 2024. Gerstenmaier had been in favor of performing a hot-fire test of all four modified RS-25 engines that will power the first stage of the SLS after they're integrated into the rocket's main body at the Stennis Space Center in Mississippi next year. It sounds instead like they're going to try a hot-fire test on the launch pad at Kennedy Space Center, which would save the program five months. However, this would be a lot less thorough of a test of the hardware. I sure hope this isn't indicative of cutting corners to meet an arbitrary deadline. I don't want to see a repeat of Apollo 1, or worse, Challenger. SpaceX has recently released a statement on the anomaly during their test of the Super Draco thrusters on the recovered Dragon 2 capsule. A few months back, they were running the flown and recovered capsule through a series of tests in advance of a launch abort test, meant to certify the vehicle for human flight. The capsule was destroyed, and silence prevailed for quite some time. Now, it sounds like the culprit was a leaky valve that supplied helium to the oxidizer tank in order to maintain pressure during flight. This isn't liquid oxygen, this is nitrogen tetroxide. It leaked through a one-way pressure valve meant to keep it from flowing back into the helium tank. Then when the system ignited, the pressurized helium forced this lump of the stuff back through the line, which shattered the valve. This started a metal fire, which then destroyed the capsule in a mighty conflagration. What's interesting though, all those people, myself included though I was more worried than accusatory, who thought it was the Super Draco thruster that exploded, no, it wasn't. The engine itself survived the blast and is in relatively good shape. That's a win for 3D printing in aerospace. To fix this problem, instead of using a mechanical valve, SpaceX will instead be using burst disks. If you've watched enough Mythbusters, you've probably seen these before. Unfortunately, they are single-use only, which means the Dragon 2 will indeed never be flown in such a way as to land under its own power. You can't restart the engines multiple times with a burst disk system. Still, it's a step towards getting people on board and flying them to the ISS. SpaceX thinks they can still have a crewed flight by the end of the year, but we'll see. Finally, and most importantly, as of recording this, it's the 16th of July, 2019, 50 years after the launch of Apollo 11, the mission wherein Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first humans to set foot on a body that wasn't Earth. NASA and several other space-oriented organizations and accounts have been filling up social media with all sorts of facts and details about the mission. There's even an account that's going through the steps of Apollo 11 in real time as though the mission were going on right now. It still remains one of the defining moments in human history. I just hope we can get back to exploring our nearest neighbor sooner rather than later. It all depends on how the program is managed and how committed this administration, and perhaps the next administration, really is to that goal. If you're in the Washington DC area, you're sure to have heard that there's a big event planned by NASA on the 20th, the 50th anniversary of the actual first step on the moon. I so wish I could go, but alas, it is a giant leap that is just too far for this dragon. If you can spare a moment this Friday, if you're hearing this in time, 
Just have a look up at the moon that night if you can, and let yourself imagine what it must have been like 50 years ago when people lived in a world where walking on the moon was impossible. Then one instant later, they lived in a world where it had happened. I want us to go back there, to stay this time. That's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying, keep looking up, space fans. Hello, and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. If you know someone who has depression, or if you've got depression yourself, you've probably seen what helplessness looks like firsthand. Someone suffering, but they believe there's nothing they can do about it. Sometimes they're not wrong either. It's an unfortunate reality that people sometimes wind up in situations where pain and suffering are just inevitable. But that's not the focus of today's segments. Today we're focusing on times when people are suffering, but there is something they can do about it. And yet, very often they don't do it. When a way out is presented to them, when life tosses them a life preserver, they choose not to take it. It's like they can't see the opportunity for escape just dangling right in front of them. It's incredibly frustrating for those on the outside watching, and it's devastating for those living through it. So why does it happen in the first place? Back in 1967, psychologist Marty Seligman came up with one explanation, which he called learned helplessness. In a nutshell, Seligman argued that when people are repeatedly exposed to negative outcomes without any chance to stop them, they internalize an important lesson. You can't control the bad things that happen to you. Over time, people start applying this lesson to any negative situation they find themselves in, even situations where they do have control. People in this situation resign themselves to their fates. They become helpless. Some of the first studies of learned helplessness were done on dogs. In one version of the study, two sets of dogs were put in harnesses. At various points in time, the dogs received an electric shock. For the record, these studies were done before ethics boards for animal research. Anyway, we'll call these dogs in the study Dog A and Dog B. Dog A had a lever in front of it and quickly learned that if it pressed the lever, the shock would turn off. And as a bonus, when Dog A pressed the lever, it also turned the shock off for Dog B. So now we have two dogs who've learned very different things about electric shocks. Dog A has learned that it has the power to turn off the shocks by pressing the lever. For dog B, however, nothing it does stops the shocks. It has no idea that the shocks are tied to whatever dog A is doing. As far as dog B is concerned, the shocks just come and go totally at random. Now comes the second part of the study. The dogs are put into chambers, each with two rooms that have a short partition between them. The dogs quickly learn that there's a trick to this room. When a little light comes on, they have a few seconds before the metal floor beneath them gives them a shock. But here's the trick. If the dogs jump over the small divider in the room and into the other side of the box, they escape the shock altogether. So what happened? Well, dog A learns to avoid the shocks very quickly. When the light came on, dog A was quick to get out of the room and avoid the shocks. Why? Well, because dog A had learned beforehand that they can avoid shocks just by their own behavior. But dog B never learned this lesson. They've only ever learned that when it comes to shocks, their only choice is to sit there and take it. For dog B, when the light came on, they didn't try to avoid the shocks. They just laid down, whined, and took the brunt of it. It wasn't until researchers physically picked up dog B and moved their paws to simulate jumping over the barrier 
that Dogby eventually learned that they too could avoid the shocks. So that's all well and good for dogs, but what about humans? As it turns out, this model of learned helplessness also applies to humans. In one study, for example, people were asked to write a test with distracting, annoying noise playing in the background. Now some people had the option to push a button and turn the noise off for a little while. Others in the study didn't have this luxury, the noise was there and they had no control over it. Those who had the button did better on the test than those who didn't, even if they never chose to push the button. Just knowing that they had the power to turn off the noise actually made the noise a lot more tolerable for them. It didn't bother them. As it turns out, these small demonstrations have big implications for the real world, including members of the furry fandom. Learned helplessness explains why people who are bullied often experience feelings of helplessness and depression. They learn over time that they have no control over the bad things that happen to them, so they just don't bother trying anymore. The same thing is true for people in abusive situations. Those watching on the outside can become frustrated with why someone who's in an abusive relationship does nothing to try to get out of it. But remember, they may have learned over and over again that their actions just don't have consequences. Just like the dogs in the test chamber, they might not see the escape route in front of them, even when it's staring them in the face. And if they do, they may have learned not to bother trying. And for a group like the furry fandom, a group that's constantly finding themselves on the receiving end of bad media and discrimination, it's easy to fall into this trap as well, believing that there's nothing we can do to make things better for our fandom. Ultimately, a little understanding goes a long way. Now that you've learned about learned helplessness, you're in a better position to help those who falsely learn that there's nothing that they can do. You can be more supportive of them and help them see that escape is there for them. You'll also be a bit more patient, realizing that they're not just being stubborn or choosing not to help themselves, but rather they're working against months or sometimes years of learning. Hopefully, armed with this knowledge, you can help someone you know get the help they need, or perhaps you can see for yourself that you might have fallen into this trap. This has been a quick look at the psychology of learned helplessness. I'm Dr. Nuka, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. Hi, my name is Miski the Chinchilla, and I'm here to introduce you to my housemates. Hi, I'm Danger. I'm seven years old, and I'm a pup. I am Princess Kitty. I like playing a My Little Pony game on Roblox, and I like watching My Little Pony. I am eight years old. Hi, I'm Nightshade. I am 11 years old. I am a Badagon, which is a mix between a badger and a dragon. And I'm currently running a campaign for a My Little Pony roleplay game. And you're listening to... For What It's Worth! worth. Now do it. No! And now we're back. Hi! <laughs> I'm new here. And guess what? 
Thank what? you so much, Misky. I really appreciate you for that ident. That was great. Wow. That was really bad. No, it was fine. You did fine. That's it's all right. It's all right. Oh, thanks, Tux. So tell all us right. tell us about what our patrons have done. Okay. No! No! I'm leaving. Goodbye. You know, you're going to have to get used to doing this. <laughs> no. All right. So let's talk about this. Our show is funded in part from viewers like you. Yes, that's right. The 8K podcast, that is for what it's worth, is funded by our Patreon patrons. So let's talk about who these people are because it's one of the benefits we offer. So we'll start with Tamori Boba, who's new. Welcome. Thank you. Ligris, Aussie Cat, Chapagriff, Snares, creator of Meteor Showers, and, and, they, they said hi to us in the live show, Skylos, August, who's also new, thank you, August, Kachi, Guardian Lion, I'm, I'm doing this quick parsing thing, and it takes me a second, Dusky, Baldric, Rifka, Ichi, Kit, and new and sitting on top of kit just butt deep is jake fox i know both of these people so i think they'll be okay with it so thank you to all of you some of you i can actually see how much they've like donated over time and some of these are not small numbers and it really makes a difference we are paying for our uh audition subscription now with that pays for the show hosting so these guys literally are making it possible for your ear holes to be filled with my dulcet tones and Rue's boyish voice so if you would like to support us go to patreon.com slash fwiw put in your name and then we will give you things speaking of things although it will probably be uh, there by now when you hear this the new sticker updates are coming so yeah, we've got a great big sticker pack. It's fun. So the next thing that we're going to be getting for for the show is a brand new audio for the patron section. I think that would be a great thing. We'll commission somebody. Why? What's wrong? Okay, first of all, we were using the Soviet anthem for a while. What's wrong with this? It's it's a beautiful concert. It's our worship music. We hear the angelic tones. What's wrong with the angels? Can't we like make like some really nice for what it's worth music? Like, I mean, something I guess... that pertains to the show, not not some like oh we're we're listening to this in church music. I mean, I I guess. <sighs> I just bought a digital keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah, and I've got Ableton Live, and I could probably do something. That would be well, cool. I mean, if someone wants to try and provide us music, I'm not I'm not saying no to that. Don't we still have an email up for that that we've never closed? Music, music at, for, at what for what it's worth? worth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. music at for what it's worth. So if you guys have music that you want to send to the show and you want to hear your audio on the show, send it to music at forwhatitsworth.com. Please make sure that you have the rights. Remixing a track is not necessarily going to work for us. But, Rue, if you hang on 30 seconds, I will play some different music that, you, and then you can tell me right now on the spot if you want to use that. Does that sound fair before we keep going? Okay. I mean, we don't have to. Go ahead. Hold on, I gotta find the damn thing. I don't know where my shit is. Um, stall for me. You know, next time that you play that, I will just sing along. 
That's okay, what okay. will happen. <laughs> I've got it. Okay, so here. Here's what we have now. Okay, you hate this, right? Yes. Okay, this is what it's going to be then. Stop! <laughs> At least this is better. How is this better? You're just waiting for it. I'm not. I... Ah! <laughs> Splatoon Screamo is the worst. They Stop have a new it. Screamo. <laughs> no. I'm not doing it. I know you guys want me to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not. <laughs> Wow, we are we are reaching into the dank memes now. Speaking of dank memes, Cora, are you still with us? Yes, I am. You're a dank meme now. Um, <laughs> Sweet. I like dank. Hey, Acasta, for what it's worth and guests. I initially wrote in on this topic a few days ago, but I realized I was kind of in a daze and writing out nonsensical jibba-jib. Any whore. Yes! I have lived with a total of nine different people. I've dwelled within houses, townhouses, apartments, and anuses. What? Being that I'm 28 years old and new to the fandom, I never made a conscious decision to live with another furry until recently. My current roommate is a furry, and we share many similar interests that I wouldn't ever dare sharing with other normies, so to speak. I will say my conscious decision to live with another like-minded furry has been enjoyable so far. We respect each other's likes and dislikes, and I feel that I can talk to my fuzzy roommate about any topic, whether in relation to the furry fandom, to the stuff I share with close friends. We live with each other on a level that I've never experienced with prior roommates. While I wouldn't be against living with another non-fur down the road, I would make it an objective to continue living with someone that shares the like-minded love of the furry fandom and everything in between. Keep in mind, however, that you truly don't know someone until you've lived with them. I would say whoever you consider being a roommate with, you truly consider getting to know them before signing a lease. Learn their likes and dislikes, income, their ability to pay half their rent utilities, and also know your income limitations, and willingness to take part in chores. While having a roommate can be economical and fun, it can be stressful, especially when money gets involved. Either way, I feel it's important to really discuss ground rules with a prospective roommate, furry or otherwise. I hope this help was helpful, and mind the terrible grammar, but I am a simple fox, colon D. I look forward to the episode. In the meantime, excuse me, as I shamelessly obliterate this box of thin mints I've been hoarding. Raises a cookie. Cheers, Jake Fox. Um, he's dead right. I think um, he's hitting on something that's, that's um, singing out to me, which is... You're going to need to talk about money with roommates. Doesn't matter if they're furry or not, but you do need to, you're going to have to know certain things. And I know that at least in Western society, talking about money in many places is considered taboo. And it can also be divisive. You know, there people get resentful of success. Some guy is stuck in a $10 an hour job and their friend is making $25 an hour. That can create some some resentment, and yes, that's certainly like, hey, you know, you got to improve your own life, but that doesn't take the immediate problem away. Um, so prepare and be honest, and you be the guy who has the question, like, when are your paydays? How much do you make? Do you have a lot of debt? Can you pay this on time? How much money do you have in savings? These are fair questions because, again, like I said earlier, this person that you or people that you're going to move with. They could fuck you over and they can screw your credit up. And like, these are real heavy things that matter beyond just putting on a fluffy mask and running around at a convention. You're signing a contract. It's it's going back to that subject that me and you were talking about. It's a business relationship. You have to know all of those particular things in order to be able to have a successful roommate situation. And you're not in some sort of shitty situation where all your roommates have left and you're the one that's on the lease. You have to also make sure like whoever is living with you 
all of you need to be on that lease. You have to all be on that lease. A lot of people are like, oh, it's okay. You know, I trust this person. No. Like, even if you trust this person, put them on the lease. Most of the time, not putting them on the lease is actually you breaking the lease contract. And you could be fined by your um, housing department for not having them on the lease itself. But also, it's a protection for, for you. And it's not showing that you're not trusting them. It is it's just, it's business. That's what it is. It's keeping it equal. And exactly. It's keeping it equal and honest. And and somebody can't just be like, you know what? I'm going to leave, guys. And then you're like, oh, great. Now I have three months of rent that I have to pay by myself. So the counter to that is, oh, the person I want to put up doesn't have good credit or they can't, they won't get approved for housing. Wait, what was that? So some people go, well, my the person I want to not put on the lease, they 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 have some kind of thing that prevents them from being considered a you know a person that could mm-hmm. be on the lease. Like maybe they have a criminal history or some really bad debts or something, and we don't want them to be on the street. So so Jake also mentioned something else in his email that really hit home to me, and that's having meetings, having a, like have a meeting beforehand to sit down and really chat with them, but but also set up expectations of your living situation. Like, for example, whether or not that um, maybe, maybe like you were talking about, like the days that you have off, maybe you have a certain day that you have to do your laundry or, you know, maybe you have a certain tick that you need to talk about to, to let them know. Like communication is key when you have roommates. And one thing that I know that you Tugs did with Koru and, um, you know, that was helpful for you guys is that you had a lot of, um, you had a lot of meetings or you had your own telegram chats or different things like that so that you can, you could communicate. Can you guys speak a little bit on that? Koru. Um, well, I totally miss having a house chat because the house I live in right now, there, I mean, there, there's still a guy who um, just has a flip phone and he has to 10 key text. Um, so it's really hard to um, kind of have that house chat. And I actually, I really do miss that because now when I want to, you know, say, you know, something to the general household, like, you know, hey, I'm going to have, you know, a friend over, or, hey, you know, let's have a bonfire out in the backyard or something like that. It's like I have to go and approach each, in, each individual person. And that can be a pain in the butt, especially when we all work different shifts. And so I, I, I really do miss that. What about a whiteboard? Do you guys have a whiteboard? Uh, yeah, generally nasty grams get posted on that, like people not doing their dishes and, um, the, uh, person who is the landlord slash house owner, you know, he, he will write messages on there. It's like, Hey, you do your shit, you know, um, pick up after yourself, but that's pretty much it. So do you have like meetings or any kind of regular communication mechanism in your current roommate situation? No, we did have one house meeting one time to discuss, you know, cleanliness and, you know, everybody, you know, making sure that they're doing their chores and, you know, taking care of, you know, their messes. Uh, but that's pretty much it. I mean, we we get along fairly well. We don't have arguments. We don't really have those, you know, like uh, financial worries because um, everybody for the most part, does take care of business. And so we really don't have to have those house meetings. 
Do you think that, um, you know, in a relationship where it's important for you to have dates and different things like that in order for you, even when you're with somebody for a long period of time, like either your husband or, or wife, it's important for you guys to still continue to go on dates and do things together. Do you feel like that that's something that's important for roommates as well, for you guys to go out and do things together? Not necessarily all the time, but, or do you feel like that that's not necessary? Um, you know, it really depends on everybody's interests, but, you know, like I said, everybody's working, um, different schedules. So two of my roommates are working night shift, um, like graveyard shift. Um, I also worked a very late shift. Um, the landlord, he works a very early shift. And so sometimes we don't even see each other. Um, and then basically when we hang out, it's, you know, having a fire in the backyard or, um, chilling in the living room, maybe watching a movie, but that's pretty much it. Um, but doing those little simple things, what if, what if there was no interaction whatsoever? Do you think it would be harder for you guys to live together? Like if there was no bonfires that happened or late night chats or, um, just purely it's like a dorm, you go in, you sleep, you do your thing. Do you think that, that oh, that's yeah. helpful to have that yeah, it, sort of relationship? Absolutely. I think that definitely does change the dynamics of the people that you live with because, you know, even those small gatherings, you know, you can, you know, you're you're able to talk. And so it's like, you know, every once in a while I'll be in the living room and another roommate comes in and it's like, hey, can you please pick up your clothes out of the living room? And I don't know. <laughs> so at least some interaction, I think, is good because um, that does ultimately help with communication. And communication is definitely important. All right. I have the next question, which is, Corey, what are the advantages of having furry roommates and why? Didn't you ask that question already? No. No, didn't. I said, what are the disadvantages and advantages of muggle roommates? Now we're taking it and putting it in reverse. Um, well, I mean, obviously the main advantage is you don't really have to explain too much about, you know, furries and identities and people will obviously just get that. So that definitely is a plus. What would you say are some of the, well, is there any other advantages that you can think of? Not off the top of my head. I mean, like, like I said, it really depends on, you know, your roommates and how well you get along and how well you communicate. So... I'm I'm going to I'm going to do something that I wouldn't normally do, but I think I'm gonna I think it's okay in this case, which is I'm going to be very specific. I know that that there's a certain amount of respectfulness that that I'm seeing, and that's that's cool. Uh, I think in your case, you've got a kink lifestyle, and you want to be able to express yourself. It doesn't mean that you're always going around jacking off or anything, but it's kind of like wearing fetish gear it makes you comfortable. And so I know that like when you were my roommate, that was very, very, very much something that you felt made you happy and healthy. And do you, you don't have that with your current roommates, right? And do you think that's because they're not furry? Um, yeah, I, I think there, there definitely is a lot of truth there. And um, ultimately, it's not something that they're not into. So I don't feel like I have a right to kind of impose my lifestyle on them, if that makes sense. Right. And that's fair. And that's, that's being, that's being considerate of folks, you know, but you, I, I, I know that you miss it. You miss, you miss being able to go around dressed as you please. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I, I live in a place where, you know, everybody is respectful and proper and fully dressed all the time. 
Well, and I'll be honest with you, even within furry roommates, it it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, okay, so you have furry roommates. It doesn't all of a sudden mean that you guys are just going to get along and that everybody's going to understand each other's kinks and different things like that. Because, I mean, really, it it depends on the specific kink itself. Like, for example, um, I'm just going to bring this up. If you have a, a roommate situation where everybody is into baby fur and is interested in wearing diapers, then you have that environment to be able to wear wherever you want to wear out in the living room wear out in the on the top of the roof maybe that not the top of the roof but you get my point it, sure pups do that but too but if if somebody is squeaked by baby first or isn't really interested or don't doesn't understand then that might create an uncomfortable environment for the both of you so it's good to, it, it all comes down to having that communication beforehand and don't take it that, oh, they're furry. They're going to know exactly what I'm going through because they're not. And I think that people jump into these situations with furry roommates thinking that everything's going to get hunky, you know, be hunky dory and they don't do their research and find out that somebody doesn't have a job and can't pay, <laughs> you know, anyways. I, I, I think you're right. And to build on your point too, it's, it's important to, to recognize that it's a balancing act between what makes you happy, what makes you healthy as a person, what lets you be your authentic self and economics. And I feel like too many times people have to, they, they feel like they have to choose. I can either afford to live somewhere or I can live with people who understand me and let me be me. And that those, two things don't have to be in opposition to each other. Sometimes it works out that way. And I think, Corey, I think your situation is a little bit like that. You you, you had to go with the economic side of things, but I think I would mm-hmm. guess knowing you that you have an understanding of you try and balance the two. Yes. Yeah. And that's a hard balance sometimes. How, how do you, how do you get past that though? How do you, how do you resolve that? Because right now you've made the, you've, you've been in a situation where you're choosing economics, right? How, what would you say to people who might be in your same scenario as far as like, you know, knowing that it doesn't have to be that way forever? Well, I think that's why more recently, uh, especially I've been trying to get out and, you know, hang around with other furries because I've found that um, I, you know, I have lost that aspect of me, you know, just being able to go and hang out and have fun and, you know, everybody have that same interest. So, um, I mean, that's really my balance at this point is just to try and get out and hang out with like-minded people. Get rides, take the bus, do whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Rue, you were saying? Oh, well, did we answer the the next question? What are the disadvantages of three roommates? Yeah, I think we're good. Um, I we think... overall win over that. Yeah, yeah. So, Can you, can you guys think of any any more disadvantages? I mean... I think that maybe having furry porn up on the walls can be kind of a little bit of a disadvantage when you have your parents come over. <laughs> like you may you may need to like be like, "Yay, we need to take this down." 
So, so there's a, a mutual friend that Corey and I have that lives down in Portland. Um, he has a, many, many names, but I'm just going to go and choose and thrash right now. And when I visited him years ago, he actually had a really clever strategy, which was that the front of the house had just normal, passable, G-rated furry art. But the further deep in the house you went, it was upstairs in their case, the art became more risque until you got to the end of the last hallway, which was just like just hardcore porn, which is fine. Um, because it kind of let him express the naughty and the nice in a way that was simpatico with people visiting. Well, and I think that that's, that's what you should do in the, the common space. And, and that, that goes back to our topic of talking about the common space. A common space is a neutral area. If you think that you can just post all of your furry pictures all over that common area, guess what? No, you can't. You have to share that common area. So, you know, don't have porn up in the the common area unless of course all your furry roommates are like yes let's do this you know then then that, that's different however it's probably better to have your porn up in your room that's a good area and then keep the the common area a neutral space you can still hang pictures just make sure that you share the the retail space that's in that common area what do you have on the walls of your place uh koru um, nothing. I mean, except for my room. I've got plenty of art and porn up on uh, the walls in my room, but uh, the living room doesn't have pictures, actually, now that I think about it. Alright, are we ready for the last email from Misky? Yes, Okay. let's read it. Misky says, Hi, peeps. I don't know why she's writing marshmallows. I pick my roommates, housemates, and mates in general first, and then I make them furry. When do I get my free toaster? Waiting patiently, Misky. I'm 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 skipping my right of first reply. Go ahead, Koru. Um, Do you want to convert your roommates? Not really. I I I really don't see them getting into that. Um, I've tried with uh, my my good my best friend that I'd consider my best friend right now, and he's kind of came up with a little bit of a fursona, but. It's just just not for him, and so that's fine. And then my other roommates, I wouldn't even want to try. <laughs> you know, I have one. I have one last question that's kind of uh, occurred to me, which is, and I think this is actually one that maybe people don't think about till it's too late. Sex, meaning, how do you handle it? Like when your roommates want to have sex with people, like let's say their friend comes over and they get busy, what's the protocol? Well, like. Uh, listen to it, I guess. <laughs> You're like in the corner going, yeah, yeah. No, not even that. Like, I can be in the living room, and the house I live in is old, and so it's very, it's not set up for sound dampening. Let's put it that way. So, <laughs> Just other kinds? Yeah, I mean, like, I can hear pretty much everything that goes on in the house, you know, from my bedroom. Like, I can hear in the kitchen, I can hear in the other bedrooms. And so that also makes it tough because then I have to, you know, also be quiet and aware of what I'm doing as well because I don't want to embarrass myself. But don't your roommates, like, just get, like, as loud as they want? Well, yeah. I mean, like, the, the, the main couple um, definitely do. I mean, it does nothing for me. I just hear it and I just... So can't, doesn't that give you license to be as loud as you want? Yeah, but I'm a quiet person. I know, I don't mean like blast music. I mean like if you're like, you know, beating your meat and then you're like, yeah, like, wouldn't that be fine? 
Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Tugs. I'm just not a loud person, so no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm quiet. That's fair. <laughs> Are you okay, Rue? Yes. You're just imagining like 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 your number one going, yeah, out of the other room and you're like, Oh, I know what he's doing. No, I was thinking of the Kool Aid the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> Sticking, oh, his, yeah. sticking his penis through the, the wall and being like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kool-Aid sprays everywhere. Okay. All right. Well, let's 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 go to final thoughts. So, um, Koro, I think we'll have you go last so you can have a minute to formulate your final thoughts uh, about roommates. But I will say this is my final thought, which is, you know, picking a roommate is really, really important. And you should never feel bad for saying, I want to think about this and being honest and saying, I, I value the relationship we have and I don't think you'd be a good roommate. It's okay to say no and, and recognize that, you know what? People live different lifestyles and some of those lifestyles aren't compatible. You don't go get mad at your Mac or at your Windows PC or at your phone when the software you want isn't compatible with what you're trying to run your platform on, right? You can't run an iOS app in Windows and you you can't have every possible person in the world be compatible with your lifestyle. And it's nothing personal. You didn't set out to be like, ah, oh, the world must be created in my image. You just have certain things. You know what's healthy for you. You always know what's healthy for you deep down, even if you don't feel it or think it. And so preserving your interests and being honest with people earns you respect points and may even make your relationship grow stronger if you have the strength to tell somebody no you wouldn't be a good roommate or yes you'd be a good roommate or hey you're my roommate and this thing is important to me you know as long as you present it as as communication and trying to make things better you'll go a long way tugs i have a question to your final thought what um so i am going to college and i'm going to be living in a college dorm that's I don't the, get to choose my roommates. Right. And that is a t completely different scenario. It's like going to camp. You don't have a choice on that one. But that's not how life is the other 90% of the time. How do I live with those people? You just grit and bear it. You made the choice to go to college. You get to pay for your four years of misery before you get to reap the rewards. We all have to do that phase in life. You know, I had to work my butt off in my 20s to get to a decent paying job. You know, like... We all have to do that. Some people choose to go to college to get that decent paying job. And yes, you do make four years of sacrifice, but make sure you're getting out and being social. Like Coru said, if you can't, if you can't put on your pup hood and lay around in your dorm, go find a friend near the college campus that you can go do that with. There are outlets. Awesome. Uh, just my final thoughts is I think, um, having roommates in general is great. It's especially in the economy nowadays, um, saving a little bit of money definitely helps. Um, so then that way you're able to, to live. I mean, housing prices are going up higher and higher. Having roommates are more popular. If you're thinking, I mean, if you're making bank and you can live on your own, good on you. Good on you, you know, for, for being able to get there. And, and I think that's great. However, you know, a lot of people in the furry community don't make as much money. So they have to have have roommates. I would probably say a majority of furries have some sort of a roommate situation going on. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's rare to just live as a couple. Like my husband and I are a rarity. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, just, you know, do what you can to, to find good roommates and, and hold on to them because yeah, it sucks when you lose good roommates. But anyways, 
that was my final thought. Tugs. I mean, Koru, Koru final thoughts. Um, I think you guys have all kind of hit it on the head already. Um, you know, without trying to rehash what you guys have said, you know, I definitely agree um, that, you know, roommates, furry or not, you know, there there can be, there's there's good things, there's bad things. And, you know, even though my roommates aren't furry, I still, you know, have the ability and the freedom to socialize with them, to talk with them. And, you know, they have their own interests and we share a lot of those same interests whether it be gaming or um just hanging out and so it's it's definitely an experience you know it uh out of all the roommates that i've had i've i have gained a lot of experience and knowledge and so i just i try and see it as a good thing well that's it that's the topic all right. Well, I just want to bear my testimony. No. Um, in the name of... Uh, <laughs> name, never mind. In the name of the curl. <laughs> no, stop. Stop it. Get some help. All right. I'm pushing this button. Hey, we have a message for the mailbag, and it's an audio clip. Hey, for what it's worth in guests, Jake Fox here. I have a question that's been rolling around in my noggin. Where I am located, there's a decent presence of furries, and our local group administrators work hard to coordinate weekly fur meets in the form of dining out with the occasional bowling alley meetup. One thing I've noticed when attending these meetups is there is oftentimes minimal social interactions between the participants. It is common to see many of the attendees browsing their phones. While I understand the advent and advancement of cell phones is a wonderful way to stay in touch and participate in the online furry community, it seems that physical interaction in the way of conversation is lacking. I know that this is a common issue that spans greatly beyond furries, but being the social butterfly that I am, I enjoy conversing with people, especially furries. When I talked with one of our local administrators about this, she told me that this seems to be an issue with fur groups everywhere. They also brought it to my attention that our local fur meets used to involve much more social interaction despite having a smartphone in their pockets. What do you think caused this dynamic shift? Is this an issue that spans beyond my local fur group? And if so, how do we try and encourage more physical social interaction? Thanks. Go ahead, Corey, you have first response. Oh, uh, that's actually a really good question. And as far as the different dynamics go, I think it's because, you know, people, even though they have furry in common, there's really not much else. And I like I've gone to parties and I've talked to some people about, you know, their computers. I've you know, I've talked to some people about their cars or their motorcycles or their hobbies and you know, so sometimes it comes into a point where it's like, okay, it's like, I really don't know, you know, how to respond or how to talk to people, you know, with different interests. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest um, detractor from that, uh, that social ability. And I, I, see, I see that a lot too, you know, that's, that's actually a very common dynamic. You know, I almost wish that um, we could get a study done on how many furries consider themselves introvert or extrovert um i'm sure nuka has something like that probably he probably has something like that but um i think that a majority of furries are um introverts and so most of their social socialization is online and so when they are in these crowded rooms full of people they kind of go back into what they know and what they're comfortable with. And that's, you know, on the, the, their phone. And it could also possibly be a generation shift. I, I know that more and more, you know, the younger generation is more technology based. They, 
you know, they're friends with their high school buddies on Facebook or not, not Facebook. That's not, that's, that's old people's stuff now. Instagram and um, TikTok and different Snapchat, stuff like that. MySpace. No, just kidding. That's dead. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed this thing and I remember the last RF first, not last RF, second to last. I was sitting there and I was trying to talk with my friends and they were all on their phones. And so I got my phone out and I tweeted and I said, I'm so glad that we all got together in Seattle to look at our phones. Like it bothered me, but I also understand where it comes from. A phone is a safe place. Like you can backspace out stuff. You can't backspace words that come out of your mouth. And if you don't get pushed into a scenario where you have to actually like think on your feet and have a, a the art of conversation, it's hard to do that. And it's a, it's a skill that needs practice. Conversation is a skill. And so you have to just be, uh, that's my advice. You have to be curious. I ask people, Hey, do you like what you do? Or, you know, I, it depends on the scenario. I try not to ask people about work in furry because furry is, is very much a lifestyle to a lot of people I talk to and work is just a thing they do. And I don't believe in building work into your identity. But at the same time, you know, I asked them like, Hey, do you like this or that? Or I'll make a comment about something we can both see and try and kind of find something common to talk about. And from there you move forward and so forth. Also. Well, I was just also going to recommend Jake because you're a social butterfly. Um, one of the things I would recommend doing is exactly what Tug said is go up to them and ask them questions. Like go up to some of these people that are just looking at the, their phone. If you want to get to know them, because you are the social butterfly, you have those particular skills. You do need to expend a little bit of energy to kind of pull those people away from their phones yourself. And unfortunately, there's not much that admins can can do. You can't necessarily have an admin. I don't think you're asking this, but you can't have an admin say, there are no phones that are allowed. Most furry groups don't have yeah, admins. Most furry groups don't have it. But there, there can't be like a rule or whatever because nobody will show up. Everybody wants to have their phone. But, you know, maybe think about creating a meet that makes people have social interaction. Have a, Go to an escape room with a whole bunch of furries because you can't have your phone out during an escape room. Play lawn darts. You know, go to... So, you know, plan some activities that engages yeah. social interaction. So maybe a sporting event or, you know, different because you can't be texting and playing basketball at the same exact time. And, and I get it. Not all of us are into sports, but, you know, find activities that are engaging more than just a coffee shop meet or more than just, you know, meeting at a bowling alley and, the same exact location that you guys are always going to diversify, find something else for people to do. So then that way it's, it's engaging and um, you can get to know people more and you don't have to expend as much energy asking tons and tons of questions to somebody that's looking at their cell phone. All right. I'm pushing this button. Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in housekeeping. You know what? First of all, I want to bring up that we don't have anything in our mailbag today. So therefore, no, there was we did. no... Oh, oh. Uh. We did, remember? We just spliced oh, that yeah. in. Edit. 
<laughs> Anywho, um, but we we have a pretty empty mailbag right now. So please consider sending us your random thoughts. It could be anything. It could be how you liked this particular episode. It could be about a general topic that you would like us to shortly discuss. Just go ahead and shoot us an email at cast at for what it's worth.com or send us an audio clip. We really, really like audio clips. I love audio clips. Uh, I want to thank our supporting cast. So thanks to Voss for showing up, running the sound booth, making sure Rue doesn't sound like he's eating the microphone and all that stuff. Um, and thanks to Firebreath, as always, for being our studious and sultry announcer and reading his lines. And hey, why not? We'll thank our ex-cast, a.k.a. Koru, for showing up today. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I thought about, I, I was hoping I would have at least some point to tell Rue to speak into the microphone, but he's actually doing pretty good. He's improved a lot. Once <laughs> I put that shot collar on him, he got so much better because the next step was to put him in chastity. I really, really, so. really. Just kidding. I'm not into that. Anyway, so <laughs> comment on the site. We like, you know, having our website actually look like that people are listening to the show so um yes if you have a moment to shoot us a comment on the site itself um or send us a send us a message on itunes or whatever podcast you're currently listening to it rate us subscribe tell a friend you know all those things that you hear that are stated on youtube all the time Let's talk about that tell a friend thing for a minute. So tell a friend. Now, Rue and I have both been living life, and it's been hard for us to necessarily find the time to promote the show. But we do want the show to grow. Right now, we're kind of in a plateau, and we're going to start doing things soon, hopefully, that will help the show grow again. But the number one most effective way, no matter what Rue and I do, is you telling a friend to tune in. So it doesn't have to be every episode. Maybe just recommend one episode, and hopefully our magic does its thing. But tell a friend if you like the show. Try and spread the word. And maybe one day we'll have enough people that are listening to the show, supporting us, that will send you a bumper sticker. You know, what I've found is actually helpful is sometimes there's situations where somebody's like, you know, do you know anything about, I don't know, let's use this topic. Do you know anything about furry roommates? I'm really struggling with my roommate and I need, you know, some helpful suggestions. Give them those helpful suggestions and also, you know, if you wouldn't mind sending them the link to our show and so they can also hear this information for themselves. So. Yep. Um, social media and Telegram. We are on the Twitter. We are on the Facebook, although I don't maintain that. Rue does. But follow us there. Chat with us there. Um, and if you'd like to get into the Telegram chat, we would love to have you. You have to be 18. Send us a note on social media. Send us, send Runo on Telegram. He doesn't care about sharing his name. It's at Wine Red Fox. Yep. Um, and we will get to you as soon as we can. Sometimes Twitter's not been alerting me to DMs, but I do get them eventually. So join us. And coming soon, if you don't care about chat, we will have an announcement channel. We'll give you details on that soon. Koru, as you're drinking your last drink. <laughs> it's water. I know. It's good water. <laughs> um, tell us, how do people get a hold of you? With their hands. Well, uh, you said that my email is still active, right? <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be. <laughs> so Koru at forwhatitsworth.com. Um, you're not on social media right now, right? No, not really. Um... Yeah, I don't have a Twitter. I don't do Facebook. 
You're on um, Telegram. I am on Telegram. Yeah. Do you want people to message you if they, they have any questions about furry roommates? Yeah, they can totally do that. It's just uh, Koru Colt. Cool. K-O-R-U-C-O-L-T dot it, com. Anything else that you <laughs> wish to plug? <laughs> Sorry. Besides butts. Butt plug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty much it for now. Just uh, just keep chugging away at life. <laughs> Karu, but I don't mind being bugged every once in a while, so feel free. Karu, thank you so much for coming today. I know that it's been a while. It's great to hear your voice again on the show. And I'm sure that a lot of... Um, we've actually had a couple of people email asking about you, so... It's good to be back. Had a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, next episode, we are going to talk about sex and connection. And Rue said, what does that mean? So, first, thanks I'm to innocent. Tim and Grizzly for the suggestion. This is what he said. Uh, talk about connection, talking about sex, cuddling, actual sex, and porn, and how they relate to each other for each individual. So, tell us. Tell us your thoughts. Send yes. them now. Email them. Like, don't wait. That's that's our biggest issue that we, we have. Once you listen to the episode, do it while you're, like, actually thinking about the topic. Because what tends to happen is then we get on social media and we're like, hey, we need emails. Um, We need content. Is anybody out there? Hi. <laughs> yep. So um, please send us, a, send us an email as soon as possible. Or, you know, definitely send us audio clips. Uh, like what jake fox sent in jake most fox, of you most of you have phones record your voice we definitely like hearing other people than just ourselves i mean yeah okay. anywho okay well you know what that's it so this has been rue this is tugs and koru and voss and you've been listening to for what it's worth. worth of course he knows of course. <laughs> yeah he